do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. <laughs> well, it is another episode here with, with and I have a lovely guest, Viana Milne, who is joining us today, and she has an interesting, let's say, practice. She practices in helping you find the hidden root to all your past problems with dating, love, life, and even childhood traumas. What if that's the contributing factor of why you struggle even to this day? So welcome, Rihanna. Thank you, Penny. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. Good to see you. So how did this all begin? Like when, when did you discover this is what I want to do? I want to be a life love coach. I want to help people. How did this come about for you? Well, I always knew I wanted to be a counselor. When I was a teenage girl, I was modeling. So I get two magazines, Vogue and Psychology Today, because I really just liked the interesting way people do what they do. And as a child, I used to read biographies. I wanted to know how people got famous. I wanted to know their stories. So, and I still like biographies today. Um, so that was an interest of mine since very young. Um, the childhood trauma piece came to me when I had a love trauma, actually the second one in a, a second marriage. And my ex now turned around at me and said, I don't know why I sabotage everything I love. I don't know what's the matter with me. And this is 10 years after my psychology degree. I've been mental health counselor and I've never seen anything like it. I had a whole secret life. So on the surface, we were like really happy, very romantic, traveled the world. We had this ideal life, planned for our future. Our kids loved each other. It was like this perfect situation with a whole secret life. And I had no idea what caused that. I said, I don't know what it is either, but I'm going to figure it out. Now, I have a triple master's in applied clinical and counseling psychology, and not one time was childhood trauma, the term mentioned. So us psychotherapists did not learn this. Okay, so when I started the research in 2011 to help myself, because I went to seven counselors, said, what's up with my ex? What, how did I attract this? Where did this come from? Nobody knew the answer. So it was up to me to heal myself. So my research took me into this deep dive. I read a little bit about ACOA work, adult child of an alcoholic, but it was like, if you were born in an alcoholic family, that's certainly the traumas, some of them. But there were other traumas that came up and I started to really look at my experience. I worked in the schools at every grade level, kindergarten through college, and looked at how my students were struggling and they all came from traumatic verbally abusive, physically abusive homes, or they were bullied. And I started to add up the traumas I kept hearing about over and over again, because I also worked in a hospital system with kids ages five to 19 in their mental health ward. And I worked in a drug and alcohol facility, two of them. One was at with adolescents and another one was women from the prison system. 
So all these different ages and cultures and backgrounds and economic status, it didn't matter. These top 10 traumas kept coming up. And then I created my childhood trauma checklist. And I've been using it with everyone. I said, oh my God, this is amazing. And I wrote my book, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve. A lot of that research was cut in there, but that was the earlier research. So much more has come out since. And I'm working on another book on childhood trauma right now. Um, but that went to number one bestseller because it was the beginning of talking about this topic and people finally understanding what do I do what I do? And when I sent it to my ex, he goes, oh, my God, put my picture on the front cover. I'm the poster child of this. <laughs> and sadly, he had nine out of the 10 traumas and pretty severe. But it really led to my understanding, his understanding, my forgiveness and love for what he must, must have gone through. And by then, you know, I had annulled the marriage. And, you know, when trust is broken, trust is broken. So whether right. he took that and ran with it to heal himself, I don't know. But it was the beginning of my healing and then healing many people around the world. So I took my pain and made it my purpose and my passion. Wow. And also in your research on, on childhood traumas. Now, I, I don't know if you know Greg Braden. No. Okay. Look him up. He He's a earth science, life science, and he's along with Dr. Bruce Lipton, Dr. Joe Dispenza. They're like, okay, yeah, I know Dr. Here. Joe. Uh huh. Okay. So he mentioned something, and it just like a light bulb went on. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. He said, think about this. You are a woman carrying a baby in your womb. Everything you feel, everything you experience, stress, whatever, a, abusive relationship, that baby is experiencing it. Absolutely. Too. Yes. I have then, research on this. Yes. I can't I remember like, all the authors of all the books I've read, over 400 of them. But yes, that is true. So and then my question when I had my aha moment was, hold up a second. I was in my mother's womb. My mother was in her mother's womb. So how far does this emotional energetic trauma go? Well, it is proven to go through at least three generations. However, they're saying now probably even more. There's new facts out this year that if one of your ancestors was part of the Holocaust experience and survived it, and then they had a child, and then that child, their actual DNA has changed you'll see higher propensity for anxiety and depression in the offspring of those of the Holocaust. So it is going back even further now. See, there's always more information coming out because this is relatively new science, you know, that that's uh, emerging on this. Yeah, because it changes the, you can change the epigenetics, but if you don't understand the epigenetics of why you're going through something because energy turns into matter. So right. how you constantly think, feel what you do is it's like reliving, replaying over and over, not in just your mind, but in your body until either something drastic happens to wake up moment 
or overly anxious mother will tend to have the overly anxious baby, but also during birth, you know, if the mother can't attach to the baby, there's now anxiety or if a mom's depressed, there's attachment disorder usually. So, you know, is it nature? Is it nurturing? It's both, right? It happens mm -hmm. genetically and it also happens to create the norms of the family that you've grown up with. And this is why I say childhood trauma is not anyone's fault. You know, we um, grew up in this environment and it became our normal. So the problem when it comes to love is everyone saying, I'm looking for chemistry. Well, the major problem with chemistry is it pulls you right to your past because the brain wants to keep a human in homeostasis, what, right? Keeping it what it knows. So chemistry will draw you to the past type of person that you grow up with, either your mother or your father or both traits or the dynamics within your household. So this is why, you know, people are madly attracted and then divorce because it's like, whoa, I didn't mean to marry like my alcoholic father, but that's what I ended up with, someone with an addiction. Why did that happen? Um, so you have to become very knowledgeable about what are the traumas and very knowledgeable if you're a single person in dating and the healing of trauma doesn't matter. I can heal anyone. I work with people 16 to 76 was my oldest client, men and women, single and couples, straight and LGBTQ because childhood trauma has no prejudice. Uh, the good news is the sooner you do heal from your traumas, the sooner your life feels more happier, in control, peaceful, less anxiety, less depression. Now, I am certified in mindset, too. So it's not just healing the traumas. They need the mindset for success. So in combination, I do like a hybrid. I have the psychotherapy background. I'm a clinical trauma specialist. I have the addiction piece as an addiction counselor. And then I'm a certified mindset coach. So in all combination, I heal, then transform, and then give you the mindset for success for your future life. So you mentioned about these traumas. Can you uh, share just a few of what they might be, again, for the audience? Yes, there are uh, more than 10, but these were the top 10 that I put into my checklist, just because the top 10 is you know, quick and easy to talk about. Um, but as I share this list, I just want the listeners to know that this is, again, not their fault and it's not the fault of their parents. So we're not looking to blame anyone. And I don't want you to feel ashamed or guilty if you have any of these, because I always say you can't change what you don't acknowledge or understand. So the first piece we have to get to is understanding where the root of the problem is, like you said in the introduction, Kimberly, right? So these are the roots of what happened. So, and Kim, you might want to do the list as we go along. You know, most people do. So you pull out the pen and paper and we go along. Okay. So number one is if your parent or caretaker had any addiction. Now being an addictions counselor, I talk about 12 of them and they all have some kind of a different impact. So it's drugs, alcohol, sex, meaning you knew your parent was a cheater, porn, um, gambling, hoarding, spending, uh, eating, gaming, TV watching, workaholism, and even social media addiction. So depending on what the addiction was is how it's going to come out differently for you. 
For example, I had someone just yesterday I was talking to, his mother was a severe hoarder and still is. So he is overly perfectionistic and drives his partner crazy, wanting everything to be neat and just so. Okay, so again, that was that addiction he grew up with. So it would depend on how it plays out in your life. Okay, second is verbal abuse or verbal messages. This one tends to show up hugely in life, love, or business. So it could have been watching your parents fight. It could have been them yelling at you. Verbal put downs, never hearing the words, I love you, which is huge with the baby boomer generation. My generation, I was on the beach one day, nine people on my age, we all said, we never heard the words, I love you. You know, and I had to train my mom to say that when I was 25 years old. And it's like, mom, your five kids need to hear these words. It's important, you know. So then she started saying them and she said, well, these aren't words I heard of. I grew up in the Great Depression. It was all about work and survival. So see how the generation plays on that. And then I made sure I told my kids constantly, I love you. I'm proud of you. Because we didn't hear compliments either. You know, we got yeah. love and we produced. So it produced a whole generation of workaholics. That's how we got love. Okay. So very often, and I was reading a book on my vacation written from millennials. It's like, we saw our parents working like crazy, two, three jobs to give us the life we wanted. But sometimes we just wanted their time. Right. So mm -hmm. here we think, you know, we're we're producing to getting love. And that was our norms. So it's very fascinating how it comes out. OK, so there's verbal messages. Three is emotional abuse or neglect. Four is any physical abuse. And that could be in the household or being bullied and beat up by a kid at school. Uh, rape or molestation. So any of those could have happened anywhere. Um, the next one is abandonment. And I described two types, fault and no fault abandonment. So a no fault abandonment is if your parent happened to die early, if they had to leave the family, let's say for military serving for their country, or even uh, a work abandonment, which was one of mine. My dad was away all the time. We didn't know he was CIA and FBI. My dad was like James Bond, which is cool. Oh. When we find out in my 50s and I'm there, oh, okay, that's where dad was, you know, um, getting letters from William Casey and Ronald Reagan thanking him for his many years of service. But as a kid, I remember saying, where's dad? And my mom would say, well, I don't know where he is. And she'd be all pissed off because where was her husband? I get it. You know, so it was something that he was supporting the family with this, thinking he was doing a good thing but he wasn't at home, right? Causing abandonment feelings in his kids. Um, so that's that one. I thought abandonment would be never being involved in your child's life, being there when the couple was together, but once they broke up or divorced, rarely around, or even being there, but not attached. So emotional abandonment. So they didn't show up at your kids' activities um, or if there was a custody week, and I used to hear from my students all the time, Miss Rihanna, why do I even have to go? My dad barely talks to me. He watches football all week and I'm in my room just on my computer. It's stupid, you know? So the kids will express that they don't want to be there. And that mm -hmm. is an emotional abandonment. They just, that parent was just not involved. Okay. Wow. Um, the next one is being part of adoption 
foster care or needing to live in other homes because of that your your parent couldn't keep you at the house. Maybe there were too many kids and then you had to go live with an aunt or a grandmother or something like that or a family friend. Okay, right. so that's the other one. Trauma seven is one of the most common that people recognize right away. This is personal trauma. So if you felt different, you didn't fit in, you might've been an overweight and chubby child, you might've been skinny and gawky or called a nerd. Yeah, I was still, you might yeah. have a medical condition <laughs> like asthma and couldn't be on the cool teams. Um, just uh, uh, the only African-American student in an all Caucasian school coming out as gay and lesbian and not being accepted for that. Uh, there's so many different reasons, right, that people can identify with. And this is why the research shows at least everyone has 90% of childhood trauma and can relate to one to three of these. However, this year, the stats say 100% people have childhood trauma. So there's no one that's- Whoa! Accepted. Yeah, well, everybody. With this there's last more. trauma, <laughs> What's the only redhead and growing up in my elementary, I felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb and I was an easy target because I didn't see any other redheads growing up. It's, it's and amazing. Until, like amazing. I saw more in high school and I was like, wow, okay, that's a redhead. <laughs> you know, but I did. I think it that's was, very special and beautiful. I love red hair. <laughs> and it's well, very rare. I love it now. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty. So that's uh, personal trauma. Number eight is sibling trauma. So your sibling could have bullied you. They could have been born with a medical issue, commanding more of mom's and dad's time to take care of them. Certainly not their fault. It just was. But most commonly, my clients identified that that sibling was the golden child, the favored one. So the star athlete, more pretty or handsome or the smarter kid, and you were always compared to that sibling. Trauma nine has two pieces because one was trauma 11 and I had to bring it back into the top 10. So I combined it with this one. Part A is community trauma. Now everyone around the globe has community trauma due to COVID. We were all impacted no matter where you lived. So this is one that everyone has. Uh, mm -hmm. So with that, you know, people were losing homes, their jobs, financial struggle, kids in mass, can't play with their friends, can't go to school, can't give their friend a hug. I mean, these kids will be showing pieces of that trauma as young adults and adults in relationship. So this had a huge impact. Community trauma could also be our school shootings, our mass shootings, and yep. our mother nature events when our communities are wiped out by floods, fires, hurricanes, mudslides, you know, the mother nature events. Then you can see how that impacts family, which is part B of number nine, family trauma. So any of these events greatly impact the family, but family trauma is also moving a lot, like our military families have to move every two to four years in the U.S., putting the child in a new school, thus being the new kid all the time. It could be growing up with a lot of lacks, uh, conversations amongst the parents. We don't have enough money for this or enough money for that. That was one of mine. I thought we were poor and I'd look around. It's like, but we live in a big house. I don't get it. But I thought I was poor growing up. I know. Yep. I, I, I can still relate. 
So I had to get over that mindset of lack. There's not enough money, which impacts a lot of people in growing a business, right? They don't yeah. think they're worthy or getting themselves help. Oh, that's too much money. It's like, why? It'll change your life. And then they feel guilt around spending money. So it's that mindset that many of us grew up with. And it could also be a parent was incarcerated, um, growing up in a dangerous neighborhood that you didn't feel secure. So a lot of us will have this need for security, especially if we're female, because the cave woman brain will always crave security because we are the uh, child bearers. So you put the the uh, DNA need for security and then coming up in a uh, traumatized household where there was always lack or discussion that we don't have enough, that puts a woman, you know, anxiety around security. And then trauma 10 is mental health issues in mom or dad. And us baby boomers did not see our parents go to counseling. They just didn't. I remember asking once in eighth grade, I'm being bullied. I need a counselor. She goes, no one in my family will ever go to a counselor. And I said, then I'll grow up and become one. And I did. Uh, but, you know, it was like a shameful thing back then. And I wasn't allowed to go get help. It was terrible. So, um, you know what I was told is what? pray about it. Go to church, hand it over to God. And I'm like, oh, really? Good. Oh, good. Right. <laughs> so for a child, the two most difficult personality types to grow up with is manic depressive and by uh, borderline. Uh, so bipolar is manic depressive, and that could show up uh, anger as uh, depression shows up as anger, uh, checking out emotionally or extreme fatigue. And then a manic phase could be a high and happy phase, but it's often tied to an addiction, like a drinking spree, an eating binge, a spending spree, a gambling spree. That's a manic phase. Um, the borderline to me is the most difficult. This is a parent with real erratic moods. So when they were good, they were great. When they were bad, they were horrid. And a kid never knows what mood is going to be in that parent. And when they get mad, they would flip out at something that nobody else would get mad at. So that's borderline in a easy way to describe it. And those wow. are the That just explains a lot of what I'm dealing with my own daughter that I shared in my past uh podcast past podcast and, and show. But it was what stemmed it or opened up that bomb was she was in a car accident. She was already feeling anxiety because she was driving at night. Blew a tire, had no idea, uh, but it led on to a full-blown two psychosis episodes all in one month. You have head trauma? She must have hit her head. No. No? It, it was, she, I know she experienced driving in the rain and almost getting to an accident. So that experience, when it starts raining and it's nighttime, it just, that panic. Scared. Yeah. Yeah, she's reliving the fear. And we have something called little T trauma and big T trauma. So a car accident such as that would fall under number seven personal trauma as a big T trauma. That's a major event. Big T trauma would be a soldier that experiences death and, you know, and killing in war. Um, certainly I'm in Florida, you know, the big T trauma around this building falling down in Miami, that is a big T trauma for the families. 
you know, experiencing the loss of their loved ones. It's it's horrifying, right? 9-11. I live in Florida too. I'm right there with you. Yeah. So you know what? That's like the big T trauma, what everyone pictures as trauma. But the little T trauma is, is the repetitive emotional things that happen. There's repetitive verbal put downs or repetitive being yelled at the alcoholic parent being in their bad mood and throwing a fit, uh, being bullied every time you go to school, right? These are the traumas over time. And the science is very interesting. It says the impact on the brain and the body is the same, whether it's a big T or little T trauma, it's still the same. So as a, you know, trauma coach and what I do is it's a part A and part B program as the psychotherapist first and the trauma specialist, I heal the trauma and I teach them the mindset skills to start going from unconscious awareness and norms that is keeping them stuck in life or keeping them choosing the wrong partners over and over again. Um, to, you know, we get to the bottom of what's happening for them. And that's why I love my work. Everyone's puzzle is different. Everyone's traumas are different. I have to assess the, the trauma level from one to 10. How severe was it? You know, being beat a couple of times might be a three in their mind, but being beat every day is a 10, right? That's a 10 mm -hmm. level 10 trauma. So whatever they experience, how is it showing up for them today in life and in their young adult life, their teen years, then we have to heal that. And then part B is healing or teaching them what is either emotionally healthy, evolved and conscious relationship. And evolved means being your highest and your best self. So when we heal this and create that life you desire, you are your best self. And then you're going out and dating or bringing to your marriage partners the best you. And then everything improves in your life. Your business improves. Your life, if you had anxiety, depression, that tends to go away. My people don't stay on psychotropic drugs. Um, their career goals come to be because now they have the courage. You're not stuck in fear or that mindset. I can't do it. My dad always said, you'll amount to nothing. So that message keeps them stuck, right? So we get them beyond all that negativity. This is what we call negative fear-based mindset and teach them to live in the light where the positive messages are for themselves. Wow. So, yeah. So yes, trauma and mindset in regards to love and relationships, it being in the environment, uh, what was taught through not only our upbringing, but our society and religion it's like a, a misconception of what, what love is based on what you see, what you hear, and what you believe. But is there truth to we are love and we can find it deep within? It's not something that we're taught to believe. It's on the outside. It, okay. It's really so there's a couple questions there. So let me stop and address those first. So, yes, every baby, I believe, is born perfectly right? Our society makes us imperfect and we are always imperfectly perfect as we're working to improve ourselves throughout life, right? That's okay. In Buddhism, we call this the earth school and that's what we're here to do, to be better evolved people. 
Um, but what happens when it comes to love, like I said, we go from unconscious chemistry. Why? We were taught the handsome prince and sleeping beauty will come and kiss us and we will go off and live happily ever after. Everyone tattoos with we go off happily ever after, but it was all based on what we look like. The attraction factor, you know, the chemistry, but we already know chemistry is pulling you to the dynamics of the past because that's where the brain is comfortable. So we have to go from unconscious uh, going on with just what feels good to full conscious awareness or for my singles, I call it conscious dating. Okay. And there's a whole lot of skills my singles need to learn about dating to pick an emotionally healthy partner and not fly on chemistry. So we have to heal again, the traumas, and then they learn the skills, but let's talk about how childhood trauma shows up. So jealousy comes because you usually had trauma number two and trauma seven. So if you were bullied in school and called a dweeb or a nerd, or you're not pretty, you're always going to tend to feel not pretty enough or not sexy enough for those deep wounds. And the verbal messages from mom or dad is like, go change your outfit. You kind of look fat in that, you know, or, or whatever. those put downs, those verbal slurs. And you put those and you could have heard them from a coach or a teacher. Think about the sports, you know, you know, what are you doing? You know, the, the football coach, I hear them in my mind screaming it and putting down their kids for not being good enough. Right. So these messages came from people who supposedly loved us. And, and that's the problem. We have to overcome those messages that are embedded in our brain. And it was funny. I was home over the holiday weekend and talking to my brother about our childhood traumas. Right. And the way he loves his children, the way I love my children, what he and I had gone through. And we actually uncovered my father's affair. He and I, we was five kids, but he and I uncovered and I was 10. So that really impacted me um, and him in two different ways and being a male child and me being a female child. So I explained that to him and he goes, wow, this is really interesting. It's really the first time that he understood my work. And then what we need to do for our children so that they feel confident in business and grow and, you know, excel. So, and we didn't hear the words, I love you. We never heard compliments. So he wasn't used to doing that for his son and his son's there like, why don't you show an interest or in my business? Well, my brother's interpretation of being a good father was I always wanted to be home for dinner and be active at my kids' events, which he was. So in his mind, he was a good father. And I said, and you are. But these things that weren't normal for you that you don't even think about because they weren't normal because mom didn't say I love you. Your kids need to hear those words. You see, so this is why it's so fascinating to uncover it and understand the history, the family lineage of what my mom or your parents had gone through. And it gives them grace or empathy when you are trying to uncover this and heal this for yourself. So there is a big spiritual component to this healing. Um, and a lot of people that came to me, it's like, no, I hate religion. It's like, great, because this is not religion. This is spirituality. <laughs> Two totally different things, you know. Right. Um, but that faith-based understanding is really important for forgiveness and moving forward with your healing and also the self-love for your confidence. So we have to make sure that 
my client has the self-love before they go out and date and to heal any relationship issues with a partner. So when they have that, they have the understanding, they understand their emotional triggers. They have all this set of skills to use in case they're emotionally triggered. Then those emotional triggers get less and less and less. And then and they, you know you are healed. It's like the trauma and the emotion energy you attach to it. But then later on in life, something comes about and it no longer triggers you. You know, no. if you get the healing, you know what to do to de-emphasize the triggers. And with all the different things I do, a vitamin therapy, meditation. So it's very holistic, mind, body, spirit. So with all these techniques that, you know, the thought may come up, but then it doesn't bother you like at all. You know, so let's show about how else it comes up. So if there's people who are codependent or love addicted and they keep going back to a toxic partner over and over again, where does that come mm -hmm. from? That comes from abandonment. Okay, so fault or no fault abandonment doesn't matter. So they will stay in a toxic relationship longer or break up and their conscious mind is like, I know he's no good for me. I know I got to break up. They break up and then seven to 10 days later, that craving is so huge. That's what we call the love addiction. The partner keeps apologizing. I'll change and you want to believe them. And you crave that love so much that you did not get due to abandonment issues or the inability of your mom or dad to show love. So they keep going back, right? We call that relationship repetition syndrome. And the research show people go back an average of seven times in this toxic cycle until they finally just break and say, I can't do it anymore. Right? Seven so, times? Seven times. Wow. Mm -hmm. Or the RRS can happen where I call it same person, different face. So the same personality type over and over again. It's like, all right, I'm going to read 100 self-help books. I'll sit on all these free class. I'll listen to Rihanna's podcast. I know I'm going to get a different next time. And then they get the same kind of person. They can't figure it out. So that's why I have to do the deep work. And most of all, my work is one-on-one. -on -one. So, um, yeah, when we figure it out and then we know what their trauma pull is, then I can change it for them. It's very individualized. Well, then it would be safe to say it's like sometimes you need to have another perspective, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, of looking at what's truly going on. Because a lot of times, you know, especially you just mentioned about, oh, self-help and all this. And they're like so thinking it's one thing and that's great because they're trying, making an effort to help themselves. Yeah. But there's like not understanding like, well, what if there's something deeper that I it's can't. It's the deeper childhood wounds we have to get to the bottom of. Now let's talk about perfectionism and control. This Ooh. comes from a very chaotic household, right? So that's when, let's say the house is a mess or the mom was an alcoholic and she just couldn't deal with the cleaning. This person will usually grow up wanting things in place or everything has to be perfect. Um, and the control can be good at work. You can really excel when you have good organization at work. But then if you try to control your partner, that usually causes a very traumatic relationship. So control in relationships is not good. Okay. Um, what else? 
let's say blaming behavior, failure to take responsibility when you hurt someone else's feelings and they keep turning it around and blaming you. We used to have a political official that did this all the time, who is, by the way, a child of an alcoholic, tyrant father, you know, blaming everyone and not taking responsibility, right? So blaming behavior, anger, you know, not being able to express your feelings. So either anger and yelling or shutting down and being passive or passive aggressive, which is both in combination. Um, what else? People pleasing. This is huge for women. If they had a really difficult mom or dad, I'll just be the perfect little girl. Uh, mm -hmm. It's up to dad. So he doesn't yell at me anymore. And it becomes uh, all of these become survival coping mechanisms in the child's mind. If I'm really a good chi child or bring home A's, they're not going to yell at me. Right. So this is where this is learned. It's coping mechanisms. But then this will show up. I had a married couple. The woman comes to me and she says, I do everything for my kids and my husband, everything. They don't do anything around the house. They never say thank you. They're never appreciative. I'm tired. I'm resentful. I'm burnt out. I'm pissed off. She grew up a people pleaser. And the guy said, well, I don't ask you to do all that. I ask you all the time. Can I help out? And you say, no, 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 I haven't. Right. So this is how people pleasing shows up. Impulsivity can be very dangerous. Um, that's one of the most uh, damaging one for a relationship. That would be the guy saying, for example, it could be a man or woman. Uh, oh, I want the red sports car. I don't care what my wife says. I deserve it. I grew up poor. I work hard. I want it. He just goes and buys it and figures she'll just deal with it. That impulse spending right? That Ooh. I deserve. Okay. Um, another one could be a high need to be liked. This is very often someone that didn't fit in at school, was bullied a lot. So they want to, you know, be liked by their peer group or respected. A lot of our actors and actresses, because I work with celebrities, have imposter syndrome. They work really hard, make it, and then they sabotage, drink too much, party too much, um, because they're like, oh my God, like, when am I going to be found out that I'm really not good at this, right? Or I'm not really perfect. So that perfectionism and the imposter syndrome plays a lot, even with star athletes, that kind of thing too. Wow. That's well, so much. It's so broad. You know, that's why the individual work that I do, I can key in right on that specific person's issues. Wow, that's impressive. And it's, you talk about uh, psychological, emotional, and spiritual components. Mm -hmm. Can you enlighten of how those go in tangent together for conscious love? Um, yes. So conscious loves mean you know exactly what you do, say, write, or text. You always think, is this good enough for me? Is this good for me and everyone else? It's not harmful. So we have this pause and that spiritual thought, and that's what being conscious is about. We think first. Most people just go out and date. They drink. They just look for chemistry, and that's it. <laughs> My people have this set of skills 24 questions that they ask on date one or two, they know if this person is emotionally healthy, 
consciously aware and evolved or not. They know if they're still struggling for childhood trauma dynamics, that could be hurtful to them. So they're, they're very consciously aware on who they're dating, what questions they're asking on dates one or two, and they decide to stay in and keep dating or not. And they know exactly why, what is good and what is not good. Wow. That is mm -hmm. impressive. And I uh, definitely downloaded your book, The Shocking Truth, Why Nine Out of Ten Adults struggle in life and love and yeah. in that book and how to have the love you deserve you discuss these traumas and there's i guess like a work like a, a checklist of notes to write down. A checklist yes mm -hmm, that you can read if you were listening and driving and you couldn't take the list go ahead and get my free ebook that is at my website rihannamilne.com um also on there's the four free love tests so you can take those if you're single or a couple, or you're going to learn a whole lot with those and also free chapter downloads of live and love beyond your dreams. And the live book is um, from fear and doubt to personal power, purpose and success. So that's all about the mindset for success. And the love book is about having emotionally healthy love and they are meant to go together. They're called sister books. So get the free chapters from there. And then my podcast is called Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne. And that has, I think, 109 shows at this point and is on every podcast channel. My YouTube channel has like 230 videos and audios there, too. Wow, you've been hard at work, but it doesn't feel like hard yeah. at work to you. <laughs> That's the workaholism in me. <laughs> no. Well, when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. No, it's, you know, I love what I do because it's changing lives. And when people get this, it's so fabulous because I've been doing coaching work since 2006 and teaching mindset and teaching relationship skills and people that have gotten married. I'm also Reverend Rihanna. So I have done a lot of marriages for my clients and they are still together 12, 13, 15 years later. So this work is time tested. I, you know, they're not experiments, but hey, to see it working over time, it's phenomenal. And mindset work is really important to teach your kids as well. As I was studying mindset work, I started in my teens and then in my 20s. And in my 20s, I had a model and talent school in an agency for 10 years from 26 to 36 years old. And I had people from the small town of Erie, Pennsylvania, who wanted to make it big in the big cities. And there was conventions in LA and New York. And I went to both of them and everyone got big city offers. Everyone won awards and they're competing against 200 to 800 people in each category. And the mindset for success was the incredible ingredient that they all learned. And it was amazing because their families would say, oh yeah, you think you're going to be a model? You think you're going to be an actor? Like I had a uh, mechanic, an auto mechanic, and he was blonde, blue eyed, big white smile. And he goes, I want to be a model, but he was very muscular. And I said, you know what? You'd be perfect on Baywatch. I think we should gear to get you on Baywatch. He goes, oh, I love that show. And he ends up on Baywatch. But the family's laughing at him. The mechanics are like, yeah, dude, you're going to be a model. You're going to be an actor. Sure. And it's like, watch me. 
And that was the mindset for success, the watch me mindset for success. So they're all saying, Rihanna, you got to write this in a book. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have time. But eventually I did. And it came <laughs> out in, in, in 2010. I think that that live came out. And that was all about the mindset for success. So it works in any field, any category with kids. My own daughter is in Inc. and Forbes magazine is one of the top 11 female entrepreneurs changing the world. Um, she wanted to be a singer. She's at 15 years old. I said, well, let's make it happen. So she sings on three multi-platinum CDs with the top artists of her time. She ended up on television and magazine. So whatever my girls think they're going to do, they end up doing, you know, so it's, it's beautiful to see it. So if you're parents and you want to grow your children with the mindset for success, even if they've endured childhood trauma, this can always be changed and healed because of what you teach them. So it's, it's life skills. Very important. And, and I used to, when I tucked my girls into bed at night, when they were little, I would whisper in their ears, you're going to be a successful business owner. You're going <laughs> to help change lives. Yeah. Every night when I could, while they were sleeping, it was like a positive reinforcement going down to that subconscious yeah. mind. First. Even though we were experiencing, you know, the environment and, you know, other unfortunate circumstances, I yeah. always put something positive in there, something yeah. positive. It's funny. My daughter is watching TV at five and she saw Save the Children commercial, you know, where they don't have water. Uh, these kids in Africa. And she goes, Mom, I want to go to Africa and save these kids one day. I said, baby, I believe you will. And at 20, she was off with her best friend. Now they have 21 water wells and she's 37 and she's a global life coach as well. So, I mean, you plant the seed of you can do what you dream to do, but you give them the skills mm -hmm. and they can. It's great to wow. see. Wow. It, it yeah. is. When you see your kids living the life of their dreams, living their passion. You don't know what their purpose is, but you see little glimpses of spark of passion and you just connect the dots and you're like, yep, you could do anything you set your mind yeah. to. But being an intuitive that I am, sometimes it's hard for me because I have to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, let them go. They might change with time, which is fine. My my Alexi wanted to be a model singer. She became that. Then she wanted to do TV and she did that. Then she wanted to be a global coach and did that. So they can do whatever they dream. Uh, Stefana wanted to be, you know, in she was with JetBlue for 11 years. She became a supervisor within a few years and she went on to do this. And now she's one of the top 50 photographers in the country. So whatever you dream to do, you're not locked in. You, with the mindset for success, as your goals and your desires change, you create that life you desire, right? Mm -hmm. And then they both have phenomenal husbands. I love my son-in-laws. And they knew, you know, work in your 20s and choose a partner in your later 20s, early 30s, when you've already built your career and your resume. Because once you become a mom, it's harder to do both. Just more oh, challenging, yeah. you know. It, it and that's, it, it's not so much about trauma, but would you agree that you know, from past generations, it's you get young, you get married young, you're uh, you're supposed to t raise the kids, take care of the oh, house. Yeah. The man was the breadwinner. That still 
was a belief that still goes on today. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, I saw changes. It was crazy. I'm in my young 60s now. I'm 63. So when I grew up, I was watching Leave it to Beaver and the, the Ozzy and Harriet, where the woman was in the happy housewife dress serving the martini at the end of the day when the husband walked in the door. Talk about pushing alcohol. That was the 50s. They had their drinks every mm -hmm. afternoon. Then it became, okay, the 70s, right? Women go to college and you better have a career. So it was like, have a career and have the kids and do the shopping and cook the food. And there was even a commercial around that for a perfume. You know, I can do all this and uh, what was it? And make sure you know you're a man. You know, it was like, okay. And that and women just got so burnt out and said, the hell with this, you know, give me the career <laughs> and the kids and I don't need the man who's the child that's not helping out at all. So then there was a lot of divorces in our generation. Um, and the millennials, I like that they waited longer to marry as a whole, that generation did wait. And I think that's very smart why they're building their careers in their twenties and early thirties. Um, and you know, I just, the, the men are more involved because many of these men saw their moms struggle as a single mom, like I was, you know, so they're helping out their moms and they now help out as husbands around the house, which is awesome. You know, helping with the kids, wanting to be that more involved dad, because a lot of them didn't have dads that were involved, right? So each generation is learning from the one prior and hopefully they do better, uh, but yet have grace and understanding that their parents did the best that they knew how. You know, that, that's even more inspirational because I've been seeing, you know, looking back because being a, an investigative researcher on history and whatnot, I see some of the repeating stuff, but then I'm seeing some other stuff and I'm like, okay, it's starting to bat, like slowly everybody's starting to wake up. Slowly things are changing there. And yeah. I'm like, there's hope for us yet kind of thing. <laughs> men are you know? much more affectionate with their children. I love seeing that. The men will, you know, hug and kiss. I love you, buddy, you know, and get involved with their sports. So I'm seeing a lot of that in the millennial dads, which I think is a beautiful thing. Like I said, my son-in-laws are fabulous husbands and fathers. I tell them that all the time um, because I wish I had that in my husband, the father of my girls, and he was never home. So, you know, it's just, it's great to see it and see the healing happen as time goes on. Yes, absolutely. I've, I've experienced it. My daughters have experienced that, you know, the absentee fathers and, you know, they're there, but they're not there kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, coming from, I heard, have you ever heard this quote? It's like the first relationship that a girl ever has from the opposite sex is the father Absolutely. and the first relationship the son ever has is coming from the mother which sets them up of what kind of partner absolutely like one of the questions you want to ask for my singles tell me about your parents simple it doesn't sound like a job interview it's just conversation if a man was a mother hater Hates his mom, never healed that, still angry, barely talks to her, very gruff with her. You know this is how he's going to treat his wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, 
if the father was abusive to the daughter or the son, but different dynamics, but let's say the daughter, um, then she will be very emotionally triggered by an abusive, angry husband. So depending on the other dynamics that she tells me about, then I would know how to heal that. And actually my clients get so empowered and they learn to find their voice around their feelings and their emotions that now they start teaching their parents. They teach them their boundaries. They teach them, you know, like I did, mom, you need to say the words, I love you. It's really important for your kids to hear. So we learn to teach our parents, but in a kind and loving way, not angry, not offensive. And we, nor do we take anger coming back or criticism anymore. Right. So I see my clients do very well with that, changing that parental dynamic. Wow. And one more question, you know, saying, I love you. I think I I've heard this, you know, right when I'm about to get in trouble and get a whooping or a spanking, I love you. This is going to hurt me as much as it, oh. you know, well, that's not the way to say it. No, no, no. Yeah. So, you know, but I love you, but this is, you know, I think there causes confusion on what that love is. Of course it is. That love equals abuse is what they were teaching. Mm -hmm. Someone abuses you or hits you. That's love. That's, that's the message you're getting as a kid. Not good. The word discipline is from the Bible. It means to teach. We as parents are supposed to be teachers. Our kids are not supposed to know better. You ever hear parents say, you should know better. No, they shouldn't. <laughs> they are not in their full maturity mindset and their critical thinking to the ages of 23 to 26, 23 for girls, 26 for boys. So no, they're not always supposed to know better. So when there's trouble or a problem, you teach them, how would you solve this? What would you do? And us doing a podcast on parenting is a whole nother lecture for me because I used to teach oh, yeah. in the schools and to parents. So, um, but it's really important that you are a teaching parent, not an angry one because hitting or screaming at your kid is going to teach them to do that back. And you'll start mm -hmm. seeing the signs of that as teenagers. Then you'll say, you know, I used to have parents drop, kids off to my therapy practice and say, fix my kid. I'm like, I don't even want to talk to your child first. I want to talk to you. And it's like, what kind of anger and yelling's going on in the household? The father's there. Oh, there's not much. And the mother's there. Yeah. You yell all the time. So I said, your child is mimicking what you've taught them. Why yep. are you saying he's wrong? Now they're doing what you showed. This is how we handle our problems. We yell at each other. So I have to retrain the whole family in communication skills. Wow. There's all different dynamics. Like I said, that's why I, I do mostly one-on-one -on -one, uh, with people. And if, if people are curious about finding out the root of their issues on my website, again, rihannamilne.com, there's the first introductory session right now. It's only $47. Um, I spend one full hour with you. It's a 497 value. I do five assessments. I'm real quick in one hour, I get to all the problems, put the puzzle piece together, show you why you're doing what you're doing, where it came from. And then the last half hour, you ask my ask questions. And um, if you're curious about what coaching would do, you ask me at that time, but it's one hour for only $47. So a lot of people take advantage of that to get the understanding of what's going on.
Well, you know what? I'm a curious type and I know I can use some improvements and there's probably some things that I still I'm not aware of. So I'm going to sign up You got <laughs> now going, wait a minute. I need to figure this out because there's something really going on and I'm not going to discuss it right now, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it because I deserve, you know, the truth. Yeah. What might be possibly holding me back and and what's or what I'm attracting. Let's just yes. put it that way. Yes. And I am so excited because now I look forward to getting awesome. a session with you. There you go. So, yeah, it's all around the world. That's why it's beautiful to be a coach. And, you know, I just use Skype. It's simple. It's easy. And uh, my clients really, really learn a lot. So. Well, I look forward to them looking for your uh, all your website and links and everything is already listed. And I wish you the best of success. Thank you so Thank much you, for stepping up, showing up, and doing what you're doing. You're doing an amazing job. I, I'm just so thankful and honored for just ha even having this moment with you. Thank you so much for helping me change the way the world loves. I really appreciate it. And for your, your listeners, you know, if I can help you in any way, just reach out because now is the time to create that life you desire and have the love you deserve. Don't wait. Absolutely. Well, there you go, everybody. I hope this was helpful that you start thinking about what might be the root and hidden issues going on, why you can, you're not living the life that you deserve or having the love that you deserve. So stay tuned for the next episode coming on with Wake Up With KC. Do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. <laughs>